This is Victoria of TheUnleashedHeart.com, and you're listening to Grieving Voices, a podcast for hurting hearts who desire to be heard, or anyone who wants to learn how to better support loved ones experiencing loss. As a 30-plus year griever and advanced grief recovery method specialist, I know how badly the conversation around grief needs to change. Through this podcast, I aim to educate grievers and non-grievers alike, spread hope, and inspire compassion toward those hurting. Lastly, by providing my heart with ears and this platform, grievers have the opportunity to share their wisdom and stories of loss and resiliency. How about we talk about grief like we talk about the weather? Let's get started. Thank you for tuning in. For this episode on Grieving Voices, I have some exciting news. If you're new here, I recently, I just want to celebrate for a moment. I recently celebrated 1,000 downloads of my podcast, and it's only 20 episodes in. This is the 20th episode, and I'm very excited about that. And although this is the 20th week straight of producing this podcast, I like to look at it like 19 episodes, 1,000 downloads. I feel really good about that. When I think about, well, 19 weeks, uh, it's a little harder to um, celebrate. (laughs) So uh, that's my reframe. And I'm really not even sure what a fantastic metric is. But for me, that number feels like a success. So thank you for listening today. And if you've been here before, thank you for coming back. Today is episode 20, as I said, takeaways and reflections from episode 19 uh, with Lindsay Joy Taylor. Correction, (laughs) 18 and 19, episodes 18 and 19. 18 was with Lindsay Joy Taylor and 19 was with Rena Friedman. Boy, I cannot even get my numbers straight today. So yes, this is episode 20 and I'm titling it Children Grieving and grieving children. So the episode with Lindsay, I just wanted to dig in a little bit more. Uh, She had had the loss of her mother uh, when she was 13 months old, I believe. Her mother was murdered. And we dug a little bit into childhood grief and her experience, because that's the whole idea behind this podcast is uh, to give the griever the platform to share their story. I just wanted to dig a little deeper into childhood grief. And that was an that's an experience that Lindsay and I both share. Uh, if you've never listened before, my father passed away when I was eight of cancer. Uh, and he had been sick for about two years. So I, I watched his decline, which was really difficult. So Lindsay and I share that, that commonality. Although our grieving experiences and our losses are vastly different, it is the shared child loss that we both can connect to. And I want to speak a little bit on that, on how losses are inevitable and the dangers of comparison of losses. So speaking just a little bit about losses in general, which are inevitable and cannot be avoided. And as much as we love our children, we cannot wrap a shield around them and protect them from sad, painful or negative feelings. So the next best thing for is for us to learn how to help them when events and circumstances occur that create the normal and natural emotions of grief, grief or loss. And establishing a foundation for dealing effectively with loss can be one of the greatest gifts you can give a child. 
And for me growing up and for my loss experience, there was no therapy. There was no communication about what had occurred about the death of my dad. It was like, yes, he died. He's being buried. And I grew up having this idea or thought that, well, when you die, you just go on the ground and and that's it. I really didn't have, and I, you know, and I created these visions in my mind of, and through the years, actually, I wonder what he looks like now. Like, these are the thoughts that went through my mind. And it's really difficult because you don't know how to process those feelings. You aren't given the tools and uh, the space to actually share. Now, Lindsay's experience was a little bit different um, in the fact that it was her mom. For me, it was my dad. And her dad had actually remarried uh, soon after, as my mom did too. That relationship wasn't the greatest for her. And so there wasn't that safe space as she shared. And the whole family still, you know, there's the family dynamic too, right? Because like for me too, there was other people in the household. We all have our different grieving experiences and how we process and the age difference as well. My brother was five years older. Lindsay was the, um, I want to say she was the youngest as well. Yes, she was the youngest as well. So, um, and her sister, I think was five years older than her as well. Uh, maybe even a little bit older than that. Please go listen to that episode, episode 18 with Lindsay. That It's an excellent episode, as they all are, because, you know, these are, these are people's grieving stories. We all have a story, right? So anyway, back to the inevitability of loss and the importance of a child to be supported through that, to have the option and ability to communicate. And for Lindsay, that happened a little bit later for her. She did speak about play therapy, which I absolutely love that that was something that was offered to her. Uh, someone in her, I think it was in her school, a teacher or some faculty really saw something Um, And she really couldn't pinpoint either what it was that led her to be in that play therapy, but it made an impression on her to the point that she still remembers that today. And so it really is important that we allow our children uh, the ability to communicate what they're feeling, even if it makes you uncomfortable, right? I remember having a conversation a couple years ago. Actually, no, it was after I've been certified in grief recovery. I ran into someone who I've known for quite a few years and they had had a lot of loss in their life. And he was speaking about his daughter and how, you know, and they had had another, like her grandpa had passed away and, and the daughter of the grandpa. So her mom, anytime the daughter would bring up the grandpa, the mom would get upset. She didn't want to talk about it. She was so hurt in her own, in her own heart space, right? She was still she was grieving herself and she any mention of her father upset her and so the child wasn't given the space to communicate about her loss and what she learned in that was that we don't talk about our losses and as much as as painful as they are we we stuff them down that's that's what we're taught that's what many of us are taught and unfortunately and so it's it's our discomfort around loss in our lives this is why that generational learning gets passed down because we are so uncomfortable with what we're feeling we don't know how to process what we're feeling as the adults the children therefore learn by example right and so this is why i'm so passionate about grief recovery it's why i'm very passionate about the helping children with loss program i'll get more into that later but these are skills and lessons that we carry with us for the rest of our lives and what lesson do we want to pass on to our children 
Along with those lessons, it's important too that we recognize that all loss is individual and unique. And because every relationship is individual and unique, all loss is experienced at 100%. Even though the level of intensity is not the same for every loss, and each loss can have different emotional intensity for each person. This is why it is essential to understand that we can never and we never compare losses, neither our own nor those of our, of our children, and never between siblings or friends. They're each individual and unique and will have their own responses to loss. And it can be tough because we need to remember that never to compare our losses or each other's responses to those losses because comparison creates a false hierarchy of loss. For example, when the child whose parents have divorced is compared with the child who had one or both parents die, he is often made to feel that he shouldn't feel bad or sad because his parents are still alive. Likewise, we shouldn't compare our children's responses to, lo- to a loss. For example, we would not say something like, I don't know why you're so upset about this move. Your sister is looking forward to it and excited to get there. Now that's the perfect example of comparing losses. The fact is that the uh, that the child's heart and life have been massively disrupted by that divorce or the move and their feelings about that loss are as real and valid as any other child's feelings about any loss. So again, just as we should not compare as adults to each other's losses, we do not want to compare our children's to their siblings, to their friends, and to our own because every relationship is unique and individual. Children are like sponges. They watch and listen to us and they hear things we might not even say and they begin to establish those as ways they should handle grief. Think a bit about what you're teaching your children about how to grieve. And if you're listening to this and you're feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm really screwing this up. I'm doing this wrong. My child has no idea. I have no idea how to support them. I want to give you some concrete tips right now to help you navigate your child through their loss. So first, listen with your heart, not your head. Allow your child to express all emotions without judgment, criticism, or analysis. Two, recognize that grief is emotional, not intellectual. Avoid the trap of asking your child what is wrong, because he or she will automatically say nothing. Isn't that what we adults do, right? We say, I'm fine. You are the adult. Three, go first. Tell the truth about your own grief. Don't be afraid to say, I remember feeling sad when, but don't try to compare your loss to theirs. Four, remember that each of your children is unique and each has a unique relationship to the loss event. Five, be patient. Do not force them to talk. And six, never say, don't feel sad or don't feel scared. Sadness and fear are normal feelings following loss of any kind. So I hope that's helpful. But I also want to share too how, you know, there's grief and then there's also trauma. And trauma, a grieving experience can be traumatic. So losing my father, that was a traumatic experience. Death is very finite. It's when someone dies, that's it. It's done, right? There's no going back. And that can feel very traumatic for a child, even if they have watched their loved one suffer and they knew what's coming. I'm not really sure if I knew what was coming, but I remember hearing the words, dad died, and it hitting me at the moment. Children have no choice who their parents are. And this, I'm going to read this little excerpt from, there is a book called The Body Keeps the Score. 
Brain, Mind, and Body in the Healing of Trauma by Bessel van der Kolk. It is not an easy read. It is a book about trauma and how trauma is held in the body. And it's mostly about child sexual abuse. And having been abused, sexually abused as a child, this book has not been easy for me to read. I'm actually still working through it. Like I have to read a little bit at a time. But I want to read this little excerpt, which can apply to, you know, trauma in general too, or just grief in general. Children have no choice who their parents are, nor they can can they understand that parents may simply be too depressed, enraged, or spaced out to be there for them, or that their parents' behavior may have little to do with them. Children have no choice but to organize themselves to survive within the families they have. Unlike adults, they have no other authorities to turn to for help. Their parents are the authorities. They cannot rent an apartment or move in with someone else. Their very survival hinges on their caregivers. And this is the weight we carry as parents. Because when my father passed away, my survival hinged on my mother. Emotional, physical, everything. You know, an eight years old, that's a very formative, I mean, your brain's still developing and much of what you've learned about grief is actually pretty well set in almost getting to age 12, actually. But much of what we learn, 75% of what we learn about grief is actually instilled in us by by that age. And so it's imperative that those early years, we set the stage and foundation for how to process grief. Now, I mentioned earlier that my mom in previous podcast episodes, I'm not sure if I did in this one, but my mom didn't really know how to process her own grief. So she wasn't emotionally available to help me process mine. And that created a disassociation because not only to my mother, it was like to myself, like I, I, you know, I wasn't connected with what was going on in my body, like how I was feeling. And all of those emotions were like stagnant, were stuck in there. And I feel like for Lindsay too, like we shared that common bond, it does stay in your body. The conversation actually led to that, how trauma stays in the body and how it can show up many years later. We can have an experience at age eight, nine, 10, and it may not show up again in our lives until we're 12, 16, 24. It doesn't matter. It's individual for everyone. But that's the fascinating thing for me about trauma and what I've been learning. Um, but again, we don't have a choice who our parents are. And, and no one f- helps facilitate processing that trauma. It does stick with us in some way, some fashion, somehow, and shows up in our other relationships as we get older. And there's that other piece of the family dynamics that everyone has their own way, right? And some family members may be more vocal, others may be more private. Again, that has a lot to do with what we're taught, like how to process grief. For me, it was, I'm, I'm very, I was very private about what was going on in my own inner world. Lindsay expressed how she's more vocal. And perhaps it was part of that play therapy and, you know, earlier um, therapy that she experienced in her college years to understand how important it was to talk about what she was experiencing. It was interesting, too, that our conversation led into having kids as a healing tool. I didn't expect that to come up, but I was very glad it did because 
I think it's easy for some of us to, when we have not processed our own grief, to fill that void, especially if we did not receive love, if we did not have the emotional connection to our own parent. There's this, we desire love, right? We desire affection and connection is that piece that is a human need. And so if we didn't experience that growing up, we will try to find it. We will try to find ways to create that for ourselves, whether it's a STIRB, short-term energy relieving behaviors, alcohol, drugs, things that make us feel good for a time, we will resort to those things. Or relationships, we can do that with relationships as well. Relationships can be a STIRB. Always needing to have somebody or this idea that someone else completes you. And so when we're thinking about having children, there's different philosophies around that as well. And for me, growing up, I didn't want kids into my 20s. I And it's probably shaped by my experiences in childhood. And I think too, it's I didn't know or feel like I would be good enough, to be honest, you know, and that plays into on, you know, self worth issues and all of that. But then there's the pendulum can swing the other way too, where we seek that out. We seek having children to fill that need for us. So it can go both ways. And so it was an interesting conversation. And and Lindsay shared how she's open to children, but that it'll happen when it's ready and when it's organically going to happen. But she understands she has a self-awareness. I think that's the biggest piece here is the self-awareness to feel like you have laid a foundation to be the best parent that you can be. And I think that's what it comes down to, the self-awareness around it. And I definitely didn't have any of that in my early 20s. Maybe I did. I had the self-awareness that, nope, I'm not going to be a good parent. Like I had told myself that. Also too, like I I was too busy living the life and um, a life of, I was too busy getting my throwing my life off the tracks and put it that way. I was, I was really preoccupied with myself and the disaster of my life I was creating. So yeah, children were not even, were the farthest thing from my mind. But, you know, once I found somebody in my life who brought out the best in me, who helped me create a foundation, who was in, an integral part in helping me find my faith again, that foundation was laid. And I felt more confident in who I was and in the relationship I was in, feel like I would approach parenthood as a team effort and that I had support, right? And I think that's huge too. Circling back to what this whole episode with Lindsay was about, you know, grieving children. I just want to share a little bit about the Helping Children with Loss program. It is a four-week online group program. It is for parents, caregivers, school staff, clergy, daycare providers, Head Start centers, homeless shelters, even like the staff of homeless shelters, uh, military family groups, veteran groups, etc. It is for anybody who is a leader of child organization, who have children in their care, adoptive families, foster families, you name it. Like if you are taking care of children in any capacity, this program is for you. It is to help you have the tools and knowledge of helping children process their feelings around loss of any kind. And let me just add to that trauma for a child can be as simple as their teddy bear ended up in the dumpster or 
you took it away or their baby blanket was taken away or, you know, it seems so simple to us as an adult, but to a child, it can feel traumatic. And that stays in our bodies. Like I said, that's where communication is huge. And children understand far more than we give them credit for. And I think they're underestimated. Children are greatly underestimated in society. So I just wanted to share a little bit about that program, that it is online, it is four weeks, and it it arms you with the tools to feel confident of knowing what to say, what to do, when you are, are confronted with a child who is feeling lost. Reach out to me. I'm going to put the link in the show notes as well for more information. It's a great program. I'm passionate about it, just like with everything related to grief recovery. And um, reach out if you have any questions, please. And my question to you too would be, when you, when, I, when you hear me talking about this stuff and the potential of what you could learn in this program, my question is, does it feel expansive? Because we don't know what we don't know. And knowledge comes from learning and experience. And so if you don't know, there is a way to learn. And it's through this program. So I'm just going to throw that out there. Switching gears to episode 19 with Rena, uh, which was titled Multiple Miscarriage Experience and Words of Wisdom. I just wanted to share a couple stats. Um, each year, 24,000 babies are stillborn, according to an August 2020 CDC report. And I mean, I was learning a lot. I did a little bit of research as I'm sharing with you um, for this episode. And when the baby dies in the womb prior to 20 weeks, that is considered miscarriage. Also, about 1 in 100 women have repeat miscarriage, according to the March of Dimes website. And also, pregnancy hormones can remain in a female's body one to two months after miscarriage. And in that episode, Rena shared a little bit of her experience about the hormones and how it's like you, you're supposed to have this child in your arms and, you know, you, you feel the heart, you hear the heartbeat and you feel them moving inside. And it's traumatic. It's traumatic to the body. Uh, it is traumatic to a female's psyche. It can be. I'm not saying it is for everybody, but it can be. And we talked, too, about the environment in which a woman who goes through a miscarriage is is placed in. And she was sharing how, you know, you go into this office and you're supposed to, you know, she actually had to go in to complete the miscarriage. And, you know, she's sitting in this office and these women are, have, you know, their big bellies and very happy and very pregnant and that's heart-wrenching for a woman who's facing the loss of her baby. Also, too, she shared her own personal experience of the nurse who said, well, you're the abort and caught herself. Caught herself before she, you know, insinuated that she was there for an abortion. You know, that is very hurtful and very harmful to someone who is there actually because of miscarriage. But there has to be this sensitivity around, and first of all, like really verifying the information. Um, but I think too, it becomes, I can't imagine working in that environment where day in and day out, you are seeing women who are experiencing miscarriage and who are having abortions and how, how easy that mistake can happen. And here's the thing, maybe that's where change needs to happen as well and how we 
create an environment that's safe, that's holding, holding space for a woman, regardless of what she's there for, regardless of what she's experiencing, to honor the presence of her spirit, of her loss, of what she's going through. And I don't know. I just, I feel like, you know, it's a clinical type setting. It's like, how can we make that environment? It's like when you go in for a massage, right? You go there to relax. You go there to feel good, to lift your own spirit, to care for yourself. You know, the lights are down low. There's probably aromatics, like something is, you know, being diffused to, you know, aromatherapy is being used. They're setting the mood to help you relax and feel comfortable. And I just think there has to be something that can be done for women who are going through either experience, either experience, to make them feel supported, held, and comforted. Because a loss is a loss. And grief is grief. I actually got really kind of fired up at that point in her episode because I really do think there needs to be the sensitivity training around this. And but again, too, I think it's almost it can be easy too to become desensitized when you're in that environment day in and day out. Well, it's just another day. It you you become desensitized to what is really occurring when you're in that day in and day out. And to what does that do to their psyche? What does that do to to their hearts as well, right? Uh, because we all are human. And there can be this shame as well in that grief. And it's an incredibly vulnerable time. You know, if you don't feel safe with who is there to support you, that leaves a lasting impression on your heart and in your body as well. We shifted gears then to talking about her grandparents. She had she had both sets of grandparents living well into their 90s, I believe. And it wasn't until I'm not sure of the year, but in recent years, um, her paternal grandfather had passed away. And we got to talking about her surviving grandmother and how I believe she was turning, I have 95 in my mind, but that might be incorrect, well into her 90s anyway, still taking care of herself. Well, up until recently, had been taking care of herself. And we talked about the end of life experience and And what she has learned from her grandmother in in recent years, she said this quote, and I wrote it down because it was was just really good. One thing she's learned is, why spend your time on the people who are going to judge you? Spend your time on the people who love you. I can't recall if that is wisdom from her grandmother, but all the same, it's good wisdom. And it's the truth. And I think it applied... 50 years ago, it still applies today, and it'll apply apply 50 years from now. We also talked about uh, charity, and she shared this beautiful story of um, being in Jerusalem, and there was this woman who just asked her for money every time she passed her, and she would give her money every time she passed her, and I loved what she shared that her dad had taught her early on, and he told her, if God puts them in my path, then I need to help them. And I I love that. Now, of course, you want to do that with all safety in mind, right? Like I, my husband, I, and my husband has told me, you ever see someone on the side of the road and you're alone, don't you stop? (laughs) You know, nowadays everyone has a cell phone and there should be no reason why they can't get help. But that is my nature to want to help people. And um, so he had made it very clear 
if you are alone, you do not stop. <laughs> um, but when it comes to charity, I just love that story she shared. But anyway, it went. she went on to add, though, that it went, there was one point, though, where she was, it was the day she was leaving Jerusalem, and she sees this woman again, and she's sitting down, she's sitting next, sat next to her, and she listened to this woman talk, and she said she had this really crusty sweater, and obviously this woman been living on the streets, but she listened to everything this woman shared and gave her a hug. I encourage you to listen to that episode because it's a beautiful story of charity and how I think sometimes charity is looked at like it has to be this grand gesture, or these these big things or, you know, giving a lot of money. And sometimes it can be just our time and an embrace. And so I, I really love that story. And I also share a tip for offering a hug in that episode. So please listen to that episode as well. Well, folks, that is all that I have to share today on episodes 18 and 19, my takeaways, my reflections. Um, I really did want to dig deeper into the child grief experience. And I hope I brought some information that is helpful. And if you have any questions about anything I shared today, don't hesitate to reach out to me, Victoria at theunleashedheart.com. You can find me on Instagram at theunleashedheart. You can DM me there or my website through my website as well, theunleashedheart.com. I will put some information in the show notes for your quick reference. But until next time, thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing if you found it helpful. And remember, when you unleash your heart, you unleash your life. heart to yours. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please share it because sharing is caring. And until next time, give and share compassion by being a heart with ears. And if you're hurting, know that what you're feeling is normal and natural. Much love, my friend.